0: Hi, and welcome to Perspectives on Perseverance with Dr. Mark Ballard, President of Northeastern Baptist College in Bennington, Vermont. At NEBC, we are committed to developing the mind of a scholar, the heart of a shepherd, and the perseverance of a soldier. This podcast seeks to provide biblical, historical, and contemporary perspectives on perseverance that will help you persevere in your walk with the Lord and in your service to Him, to His people, and His creation. This is episode 22 of Season 2. And we are continuing our series through the book of 1 Kings and looking at the life of Elijah. And uh, we have come to the final segment of this. And President Ballard, I've got to ask you a question based on this very next text that we're looking at
1: do you ever face discouragement in all that god is calling you to do (laughs) Uh, you know joe if i uh if i said no you would know one of two things either i'm not human or i'm lying one of the two (laughs) because uh discouragement comes for everybody Uh, and uh, there are those times of it but especially when a person is trying to follow christ and uh, they're trying to persevere in this life. I mean, that's why we have the title of this, uh, of this, uh, of this podcast is Perseverance. Uh, that indicates that it requires uh, persevering through times of discouragement, uh, times of uh, even depression over, over situations. Um, and, and sometimes uh, that stuff gets so deep. That uh, we're in danger of completely being derailed on following God and what God has called us to do, and um, you know, Joe, I, I can tell you that I have heard more discouragement from pastors, in particular, but not just from pastors, but from lay leaders in churches, people that that uh, always seem to be at the top of their game, always ready to serve Christ, always ready to throw in do whatever. I have heard. I have heard more discouragement from those folks in the last 12 months than probably at any time in, in my life or ministry. Uh, there, there's a lot of things out there to discourage people today.
0: Yeah, there absolutely is, whether it be the, the pandemic or uh, just kind of the struggle of uh, finding closeness. You know, one of the things that I've noticed and I've shared with you recently, um, but there seems to be a very significant mental health crisis. Uh, all around us and and I think uh, mental health crisis and I'm no scientist I'm no psychologist but I think oftentimes uh, uh, unresolved discouragement can lead to some of the serious uh, mental health problems that we
1: see uh, in in this present climate Uh, absolutely because you know there are things that happen to us that uh, bring discouragement and uh, depending on how we deal with that and in the beginning when the discouragement starts It can either lead us into more discouragement and and ultimately depression it can move into a mental health situation or uh, we can find ways to resolve that uh, discouragement earlier uh, in the process and maybe short circuit some of that Uh, and and I I think that's true of of any time in history but uh, as we've already noted the last year there's been more of that uh, than than at any other time in fact uh, just now, more and more people are really starting to talk about the effect of, of not COVID-19 itself, but all of the uh, things that came out of COVID-19, all of the isolation and those kinds of things. That, that's really what is getting folks down. And, and uh, more and more, I'm seeing even, even various government leaders on both sides of the aisle uh, acknowledging and saying, you know what? Uh, we've been talking about the health problem, but, but the mental health problem is even, is even greater in some instances mm-hmm. um, than uh, just, just all that we've been through. And particularly for, for Christians and those that are concerned about uh, following the Lord with all of the uh, things we've been talking about, of uh, the, the restrictions that have come in different ways. And, and this entire series, we've been talking about that we're in a spiritual war and that there are many battles that we, we are facing and there are going to intensify and we're gonna have more battles that are coming. And uh, you know, just yesterday, Joe, um, I, I received, or actually I think it was the day before yesterday, I received an article from a friend and um, I, I read it um, and I, I, I actually didn't read it till yesterday, I received it the day before and I read it yesterday and it's one of those things that really fits with exactly what we've been talking about of things that are coming the uh the article title uh, has to do with the un the united nations having an effort to create a list of what they call lb or lgbt hate groups and uh, this this article is exposing um, something that is happening uh, here's, a, here's a direct quote. The U.N. Rights Office is collecting the names of anyone who opposes the LGBT agenda in any way. Um, this uh, particular person named Victor uh, is a uh, United Nations in- independent expert on sexual orientation and gender identity. And uh, he is asking information from all of the U.N. member states so in other words, each country, to give him information about groups that oppose the idea uh, of uh, that uh, meaning uh, should be attached to, to sex. Um, he is uh, requesting information about uh, anybody that, uh, that emphasizes that there are only two genders. Okay. Uh, he's, he actually um, that has a document that uh, states this. Uh, he asks. uh, the report says that it is there to document how narratives are being used to fuel violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity and particularly their impact on uh, sexual and reproductive rights Uh, he's seeking responses from states from non governmental organizations from UN agencies academic institutions local governments and other relevant stakeholders uh, he says that the, the, the he's got some questions in it and these first four questions uh, that uh, he's asking people to respond to uh, based on this report deal with uh, definitions of gender uh, established policies aiming to address violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity established databases detailing forms of violence and discrimination uh, specifically probably the, the two most concerning things uh, in this it says uh, he asked the question are there examples where the concept of gender has been used in religious narratives or narratives of tradition traditional values or protection of the family to hinder the adoption of legislative policy measures aimed at addressing or eradicating violence and discrimination based on sex gender sexual orientation and gender identity Uh, he goes on to talk about gender ideology genderism gender related concepts uh, and so forth he says he wants to know if there's been any initiatives taken by the various countries uh, in connection with the right of freedom of religion belief or conscience including uh, the figure of uh, conscientious objection that have had the practical impact of limiting the enjoyment of human rights for sexual and reproductive rights of LGBT persons. So basically, the UN saying, hey, does your country uh, give religious freedom and traditional values, family values, that kind of thing, a higher priority uh, That uh, so that it allows people to uh, not hold to the LBGTQ. Uh, well, actually, he didn't have the Q on this one. The LBGT standards of uh, the way they live. So if are there religious groups that say that's wrong, essentially, is what he's asking, and what are you going to do about it as a country? And so when we read articles like this, and, you know, I get stuff like this just about every day, Joe, from somebody uh, around the country these days they are just talking about some of the things that are coming and, and that's kind of what this series has been about preparing people for and and the more of it you see the easier it is to get discouraged um, in the middle of it and so so our final uh, discussion today really is is what do you do when you get discouraged and you're trying to follow god you're trying to persevere and trying to put all of the principles we've learned the last uh, four episodes or three episodes into practice you know, you learn that, uh, hey, for spiritual battles, my op instructions, I got to know them. I obey God and trust his provision no matter what's going on. I obey God and proclaim the truth no matter the consequences or the cost to me. Uh, last last week we talked about that I obey God, and I uh, I obey God and, and I uh, pray effectively um, as, as Elijah did. But what happens when you're doing all of that? and things aren't working out, you know, you're standing for the truth, you're trusting God, you're, you're praying that God will change things, but the more you look around, uh, you're not seeing change for the good, you're seeing change for the worse. What do you do with that?
0: Well, and you know what, President Ballard, in those situations, uh, as much as I uh, think that we Christians tend to have a, a positive um, perspective, uh, nearly everybody we look at in scripture would say that nothing was working out and yet God was still working uh, all through the Old Testament, even into the New Testament. Nothing on the on the lines of government was working out for Paul and the apostles, uh, but nonetheless God was moving in the midst of it and they, they persevered because they knew that. Um, and I think that we need to
1: reorient our understanding of of perseverance in the midst of discouragement. You're you're exactly right. the The fact of the matter is is that, is that when everything is going wrong, uh, God is still on His throne, and and no matter what is thrown against God, and what no matter what's thrown against God's people, uh, He ultimately will win, and um, and He mm-hmm. is at work even in the midst of that. And at the same time, though, we acknowledge today that uh, sometimes we get overwhelmed with all of that. And that's exactly where Elijah was in our, in our final passage we're going to look at today in chapter 19. Uh, I want to remind our listeners, Joe, that the, kind of where we left Elijah uh, last time is, man, I mean, he had, he had the day every, every preacher wants. I mean, I mean, it, it was it was just uh, this yeah. great thing, you know. I mean, for three and a half years, he had been standing alone. He had been trying to do what was right. He had been trusting God. He, had, you know, uh, following the op instructions, uh, if if you will. And and we concluded with remember at the end of uh, the Mount Carmel confrontation, uh, all of the people bowed down and said, the Lord, he is God. Uh, It's all, all Lord, all caps. That's Yahweh. They're acknowledging that, Hey, we've been wrong to serve multiple gods. Uh, There's only one true God and it is Yahweh God. I mean, I mean, it was like revival broke out, man. I mean, this was the spiritual awakening he had been hoping for, or so it appeared. So, so you know, I mean, he has this just this wonderful day, and then on top of that, you know, as we learned last week, he he didn't he didn't just uh, do partial obedience. Uh, he didn't say, "Okay, great, I got a victory and move on." He actually he actually followed through. You know, I mean, he he kept going, kind of like you know when you're bowling. If you don't follow through, you mess it up. He he knew better, and he followed through. He he didn't do partial obedience. He obeyed fully, and he proclaimed. Uh, that there was going to be rain on uh, on a day that was totally sunny, not a cloud anywhere to be found, uh, after three and a half years of drought, but he did it based on obedience to God, because God co- told him that was part of what he was to do, and he did it. And sure enough, in an amazing way, as we saw, God responded to his effective prayer that we learned last week. So, I mean, when we left him at the end of chapter 18, I mean, he is just, man, he's excited, uh, he's rejoicing in God, and uh, it, it appears that the he's so excited he's running hundreds of miles. Oh, in moments. dude! I mean, he ran. He he outran. He outran. I've never the, been uh, that excited. He Outran the chariot. He, he outran the chariot. You know, uh, I mean, this is this is cool stuff. The the way we left him, and then we come to chapter nineteen, and and the entire situation changes. Um, I mean, everything yeah. has gone his way now, and, and yet one little thing just like burst his bubble, and, and he's just like, he, he's in a completely different state. So one chapter 19, verse 1 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message, a messenger to Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. So, I mean, he's having this great day. You know, uh, Ahab's going home with his, with his head hung low. They've, they've just lost it all. The whole, the whole country is turned back to God or so it seems. He comes in and he tells Jezebel and Jezebel sends a message to Elijah and says within 24 hours you're going to be dead. I'm I'm gonna find you, and I'm gonna kill you, and and so so she sends this message, and now this was nothing really new for Elijah. I mean, I mean, come on, what's a death threat to Elijah, right? (laughs) I mean, we we, we've seen him over and over, haven't we, Joe? We have, yeah. Yeah. And and every time he just stands. I, I mean, in fact, remember earlier in the day. I mean, where was he? I mean, he was standing on top of Mount Carmel. Across from him was 850 false prophets. Behind that was the king and all of his army. And then a bunch of people from all over the country that was angry at him. And and many of them wanted him dead. Certainly Ahab and his army was ready to kill him. The prophets wanted him dead. And yet he stood alone. And I mean, he didn't run. But now one person says, within 24 hours, you're going to be dead. And it's like he he forgot all that God had done to that moment. And it just totally overwhelms him. So he puts his sneakers back on and starts running again, but this time not in joy. he's He's running in fear. He's running for his life. and in verse three, it tells us that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. So, so from from where they were in Jezreel down to Beersheba is about one hundred and twenty five miles. So I mean, he just he's like, "Let's go to his servant." and they were gone. And he gets there, notice it said that he left his servant there, but verse four says he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness because he's like, I don't want anybody to know where I'm at. I'm not, I no witnesses here. <laughs> you know, I don't want anybody that could be tortured into telling where I'm going. So he takes his servant to get him safely out of Jezreel and brings him down to Judah, uh, you know, to the southern kingdom, takes him to Beersheba and says, now you stay here and I'm gone. And he leaves. And in verse 4, we find out he goes out under a broom tree. And, and man, he is in total, I mean, he, he went... From, from just totally rejoicing in what he thought was a spiritual awakening to now, like, running for his life. And, I mean, he, is, he, he moves from discouragement to deep depression to, to the edge of being totally derailed, not only in his service to God, but in his own walk to God in a matter of, of just a day or two. It's pretty crazy. What yeah, do you it do? it is. And uh, <laughs> go ahead.
0: Well, my guess is uh, that we're going to see principles like we have the past few times. Um, however, I do have the privilege of knowing a little further in the future in regard to these messages <laughs> and these podcasts. Um, but but I'm hoping that we just have two points today uh, again, so we can make it simple for our listener to go home. Ah, uh,
1: we do, but but we're gonna we're gonna switch it around. We're still going to use the O and the P. But instead of being OP, we're going to be PO.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm I'm already that. I've got this one. Oh, now. that's
1: right. That's right. If you're if you're a student or if you work for NBC, you know what PO means, right? Uh, but that's not actually what we're talking it, about it, here.
0: It means you don't have enough money to afford the OR. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: oh goodness, so. What we're talking about, though, is, uh, is two words, again, that are two principles, and we're going to put them into sentences, just short sentences like we've been doing. But they're two operational principles that we see happening in Elijah's life and how he dealt with that discouragement and that depression himself. And the first one is, is to pray. Uh, but it's, last week we talked about praying effectively, but this week we talk about him praying honestly. Uh, He gets out there to the desert, and in verse 4, it tells us what he does. I mean, he's totally discouraged, he's depressed, but he does know this. He does know that he should turn to God, and he should be honest with God. And so he does, and he prays. It says that he prayed that he might die. And then it says, he said specifically, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. So a common thing uh, that happens when we're discouraged and moving to depression, we see happening here with Elijah. First of all, uh, he wants to die. Um, Secondly, he realizes that he has failed God. Uh, He realizes that in his discouragement, he has allowed that discouragement to, to cause him to run first the 125 miles and then a day's journey if he was still running it might be another 20 25 miles um, back out into the desert Um, and and so I mean he's he's ran far away from where God called him to be and he recognizes that so so he's discouraged and and, and depressed and and he just wants to die and then he explains why because you know he says listen I'm no better than my father's in other words God, I disobeyed you too now. I I mean, I'm discouraged. And so sometimes we have things that happen to us that cause discouragement, but we get more discouraged or or we move deeper into depression because we actually feel guilty that we allowed ourselves to get there. And so it's like, man, I'm distressed. You know, I thought we were having revival, and now they they still want me dead. And, And, man, that's terrible. Oh, man. I've disappointed God. I've ran from God. I should have stood like I did on Mount Carmel, and so he—that's yeah—and that's that's what you call the sin spin cycle
0: because mm-hmm. you you fail, mm-hmm. and then you get upset at yourself for failing, mm-hmm. and
1: then you wallow in guilt mm-hmm. rather than going back where you're supposed to go. Yeah, absolutely. But but you know the powerful thing in Elijah's life is while all of that is true, he's in that cycle of just being depressed and being depressed that he's depressed, you know, and, and all of this and, and, you know, failing and 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 upset with himself that he's failing. But he did know where to take it, and he, he took it to God, and he was honest with God about it. And that's, that's the first principle we need to learn. When, when we're discouraged or depressed, uh, when, even if we're on the edge of derailment, I mean, he clearly is. He's like, it's enough. I've had it. This is it just take my life. I I don't want to live any longer. I, yeah, it's not it's not about, you know, live until tomorrow and maybe I'll have a better day. I mean, this is this is far deeper than that. Uh this is this is that recognition but he knew to take it to God and he was honest with God about his thoughts and his feelings. And we find that continuing. Um, just for for time here, Joe. Uh, I'm not going to walk through the whole thing. I encourage our our, our readers to read uh, chapter 19 verses 1 through 18, but for time here, you know, he ends up a long ways away. He goes several hundred miles more, uh, all the way back to where Moses received the Ten Commandments, Mount Horeb, and and he goes in a cave there. He's hiding out, so so even though he recognizes it here, he's still not going back. I mean, he's, he's still in the, in the discouragement, and he runs farther away from, from where God had called him, and he goes deep in this cave, and, uh, and God, God speaks to him and says, and, and he asks a question. He, he just says, What are you doing here, Elijah? And, and, and Elijah gets very, um, very uh, straightforward with God, uh, and he continues to pray honestly. In verse 10, we read it He said, I've been very zealous uh, for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and, and, and they seek to take my life. So, I mean, he's not mincing words. He's not hiding the way he feels. I mean, he's telling God what's, what his thoughts and his feelings are, and he's just praying honestly before God. And, you know, Joe, I've learned that, that when we pray honestly to God, number one, we might as well because he knows our thoughts anyway. And number two, when we're honest with God, it begins to open us to healing uh, from God. And, uh, you know, we can't hide it anyway. And sometimes we're, we're like, I can't tell God what I really think. Well, he knows it. And, and when you do, uh, it, it brings healing to you. I mean, God knew why Elijah was there, but Elijah, he asked the question because Elijah needed to admit why he was there and he needed to be honest with God. In fact, uh, as the story goes, you know, God, God tells him to go out to the mouth of the cave. And at first he, he, doesn't seem to, but but God sends a great wind and it, it tears pieces of the mountains apart. Then he sends an earthquake and then he then he sends a fire, all demonstrating his power. Uh, but but he didn't speak in the midst of that. He just demonstrates something. Then he speaks with a still small voice and calls him to come out to the edge of the cave again. And so he comes out to the edge of the cave and god asked the exact same question what are you doing here elijah <laughs> i mean he, he was helping him really work through this and once again in verse 14 you know elijah is is honest with god and in fact he says the exact same words in fact if, if you have your bible and you just look at verse 10 and verse 14 it's word for word i mean he says the exact same thing but he is being honest with god and saying, God, this is where I am. And, and Joe, we've got to learn as, as followers of God, if we're going to persevere, we have to be honest with God and and say, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Listen, God's big enough to handle it. I mean, go read the Psalms. I mean, David was, all the psalmists, but particularly David's psalms. I mean, he expressed every thought he had, every feeling he had to God. When he was excited, when he was thankful, when he was happy, when he was when he was praising God, uh, it was it was passionate and deep felt. But also, when he was discouraged, he would he would express it. When he was angry uh, at, at his enemies who were who were trying to injure him, uh, you know, unjustly, he would express that when. There was occasions even where he was upset with God, and he would express that to God honestly and say, God, this is where I'm at. And, and we've got to learn to do that. And and as we do, God's Spirit begins to work in our heart and prepare us for, for what's coming. So that first principle is to pray honestly. Uh, the second principle, Joe, is the O, and you guessed it, it's, it's obey. But a little different twist to it, it's, it's obey consistently. Um, uh, listen to what happens when God finally addresses the the issue to this point God's asked two questions to to give the opportunity for for Elijah to be honest with him in prayer and God has not corrected he has not he has not said you know you dummy or what what are you what are you thinking didn't you see my power I just demonstrated he didn't and say, don't you remember what I did for you on Mount Carmel and all of that? But he just listened, and now God responds and listen to His response beginning in verse fifteen. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu, will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha, will kill. I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So so God now speaks. And, Joe, essentially, can I just sum up all all of those verses for just a minute, all, all four of those verses for just a minute? In a very simple word, God just says, Okay, I've heard you. Get back to work. <laughs> I mean, he just he just says, okay, you've had I, I'm here. I, I hear you now. Now go go back and do what I told you. And so I mean, he sends him back to do the job of a prophet. He sends him to anoint two kings, and then specifically to Elisha, saying, Elisha will will, will take your place someday. Uh, you're going to to leave this earth someday. And when you do, someone else needs to be prepared to to stand in the gap. And so go go anoint Elisha, and and we know by context that included not only anointing him but training him. And for a period of time, Elisha worked alongside of Elijah, and and then was there on on Elisha Elijah's last day on the earth, which which God, as his reward for Elijah's faithfulness, uh, didn't even make him die. He actually just snatched him up in a whirlwind, took him to heaven, so he, he did not face death uh, in the same way that most people do. There's only two people in Scripture that that happened to, and, and Elijah's one of those. And and so Elisha was there for all that, and then Elisha had a great ministry that really almost everything that, that Elijah did, Elisha did twice as good or twice as many times so it, it was just just pretty amazing what happened, but that's what God tells him. He says, "Elijah, just just get back to work and do what I tell you." And by the way, I know you feel like you're alone, but you're not. There are seven thousand people uh, in Israel in the northern kingdom not not talking about the southern kingdom. In the northern kingdom, there are seven thousand people who have not bowed the knee to Baal, who have not not kissed him, who who are being faithful to me, and and so. Elijah now has a choice, am I going to give in to my thoughts and my feelings and stay here and hide out or am I going to obey God and am I going to be consistent in my obedience? And so verse 19 gives us the answer, it says, so he departed from there and he found Elisha the son of Shaphat who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he was in the 12th, and Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left his oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I'll follow you. And he said to him, Go back, for what have I done to you? Now, we see some things in these verses. Number one, Elijah obeyed. But number two, we can also see that his heart still was not fully restored. Because, I mean, when he when he comes by, he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't try to recruit like you try to recruit students, Joe. Uh, at least I hope <laughs> no. you don't do it this way, you know. No, I've, <laughs> I've never done it that way. <laughs> so, I, I mean, he doesn't come and say, man, are you ready for an adventurous life of following God? It's going to be great. This is wonderful. I mean, he doesn't even speak to him. He just comes by, takes his shawl off, and throws it over on... Uh, Uh, on elisha and elisha clearly knew he was saying you're gonna follow me and you're gonna you're gonna be prophet and so i mean he's ready to do it and he just asked permission can i can i go kiss my parents goodbye first and and did you did you notice as i read it elijah's response he says just go back what have i done to you (laughs) i mean he's like he's like "Oh, oh man yeah what have I done in, in, in doing this to you? I mean, you, you got such a rough life ahead. He, he He still was struggling himself, but what he did is he said, "I'm going to obey God despite my thoughts and beside, beside, or despite my feelings. It, it reminds me a lot of that movie several people uh, many Christians watched several years ago when it came out called Fireproof. And uh, there was there' was one particular scene in that where two firemen were talking. And, and uh, one of them was talking about following his heart, and, and the other one looked at him and said, don't follow your heart, lead it. And, and, you know, we need to be honest about our heart, where our feelings are. We need to be honest about our head, where our thoughts are. And we need to pray honestly to God about our thoughts and our feelings. But then what we need to do is we need to not follow our thoughts or our feelings. We need to lead our thoughts and our feelings we need to decide that hey god says go so i'm going god says stay so i'm staying god says share so i'm sharing despite my thoughts despite my feelings despite all of the worry despite the the just the cycle that i have been in i'm going to step out of that cycle not that my circumstances have changed you know i mean Jezebel was still after him not that his thoughts about it changed. He wasn't all excited now that Jezebel was after him, uh, but that, but that, hey, I have got to obey God consistently no matter what, and that's what he did. And, and Joe, for, for you and me and, and um, for all of our listeners, uh, in the battles that are coming our way, we need to be ready to, to apply all of these principles. We need to obey God and trust his provision. We need to obey God and and uh, proclaim the truth no matter the cost we need to obey god and pray effectively but we need to recognize right now that there are going to be moments of discouragement that lead to depression that have the potential of completely derailing us in following god and in our personal relationship with god they're going to come and when they do We need to recognize these principles, the Poe principles. We need to pray honestly, but then we need to obey consistently, despite our thoughts and our feelings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, President Ballard, for uh, sharing that with us. And uh, thank you, listener, for joining us today on Perspectives on Perseverance. If you'd like to know more about Northeastern Baptist College, uh, you can visit us online at nebcvt.org. And if you'd have questions you'd like to ask Dr. Ballard on a future Lions and episode uh, or just comments about the podcast in general, you can email them to perspectivesonperseverance at nebcvt.org. We're so thankful you joined us, and we hope that you will pray honestly and obey God consistently in the days to come. No matter what today may bring, persevere and have a great day in Jesus. From the heart of the Northeast for the hearts of the world we will persevere as soldiers to the right or left we